It is time for the new Dan Vogler 4D Experience Podcast. Are you ready? Buckle in. Let's go for a ride. Hello. Hey, buddy. We did it. I don't know why that wouldn't. I don't know why that wouldn't go through. <clears throat> I thought you were. I thought you were fucking ghosting me to get revenge for the the Walking Dead. No, 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 not at all. Not at all. I figured <laughs> I was doing some other work while I was waiting, and I was just like, I, uh, I'm sure something just went wrong, so <laughs> I just. You uh, know what? I want. I want to lightly uh, stepped wanna, off. I want to apologize about that because we had this, uh, I don't know, for the listeners, we had this main mainframe Comic-Con virtual at home, the Walking Dead house party. I was juggling about 20 of the Walking Dead cats to get them on for this fucking house party. And there was a huge communication, miscommunication. And I fucking Mike was left waiting for like an hour in the, in the fucking uh, holding room or whatever. And, I just I'm sorry about that man. Um okay. it was a it, it it was a crazy time. Do, do you know what happened? It was uh it no, got, it, it got it, banned. It, it, it got well first of all it was awesome. Everyone got had a blast and it was really fun but it was like um it got banned in uh where the hell did it get banned? It got banned somewhere. Um it got banned in uh uh, New Zealand. <laughs> Why? Uh, I don't know. And then it, it got hit with a bunch of copyright infringement bullshit because of all the music. I was like, yeah, party, man. You know? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm still, I'm still waiting for them. To, I'm waiting for them to get me a link. But, uh, hey, are you in the reaches of space? Where are you right now? Are you in the outer reaches? I'm in uh, California. Oh, cool. Uh so, how are you? Are you safe? Is everything okay out there? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, we're good. I'm getting ready to go back to go back to work. Basically, I'm going to go quarantine in uh, in uh, Toronto uh, for two weeks, and then I'm going to go to work. Uh, get a series out in Toronto uh, for CBS. Cool. Actually, main, you know, my network I literally caught the unicorn again. Uh, <laughs> network series. Nice. And, uh, yeah, and, uh, you know, so Walking Dead's trying to get me back to direct, but we've got to figure out where the schedule is all lie because they want me to do the original one and the World Beyond. I did a couple of those last year, and they want me to come back. They don't start till February, so I think we're going to be okay. But uh, it's, uh, you know, all, all things considered, I, I'm doing great. You know, how are yeah, you, man? Uh, I am. Uh, I'm good. Yeah, all things considered, I'm. <laughs> I am. Uh, yeah. I'm. I'm doing okay. You know, we're we're about to get started on um, Fantastic Beasts in uh, pretty soon, beginning of September, mm-hmm. and um, so I'm gearing up for that. Um, 
Uh, You're still on the show, What are you right? doing? Are you, uh, I, uh, on The Walking Dead? As far as I know. Yeah. Um, yeah. You okay. know, we'll see what happens after... Uh, we'll see what happens after the, the finale. I don't want to give away any spoilers. Um, but... Um, I uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, I, I'd like to come back if it all if the schedule works out. Yeah. You uh, Good. what you doing? You building a time machine? Am I? Be- <laughs> yeah, I wish. I'm actually getting ice. <laughs> ah. Gotcha. Which is just like a time machine. Without yeah, the time machine yeah. part. A time machine for your mind. Exactly. Do you live in London? Uh, no, I'm just I'm I'm just stuck here. Um, because I mean I dig it here. Yeah. I'm just stuck here. Um, are you, you stirring? Are you quarantine? stirring the drink with your? Say it again. Did you get stuck during quarantine? Exactly. Are you stirring gotcha. your drink with your phone, or is that what? what I know it's it's, you... uh, it's way in my other hand. <laughs> <laughs> okay, man. Are you on Hoth? Is that why there's so much ice? Is that... <laughs> no, no, no. Well, no. It's fucking a thousand fucking degrees here. Uh, well, really? Yeah, it's fuck. It's been like like over a hundred every day for the past week and a half. Shit. Oh, you have a nice pool, though. Yeah. I remember you sitting by a pool for. Well, yeah, we out. got like a we got like a spa, um, like a but it's a deep oh. spa, so it's it stays cool. So oh. yeah, and you can do it a little. It's like a dip, you know. You can take a dip. It's like like in a like in a spa place where you go do a cold dip. It's like a cool dip. Oh yeah, love that. Cold and the hot and the cold. Um, exactly. Michael, Michael Cudlitz. <laughs> I'm saying that right, cudlets, cuddly cudlets. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know that that's your nickname on set when you're directing, cuddly cudlets. You know that, right? That's I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> better, better than uh, oh fuck this guy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll get into that in a second. But um, okay, hold on. You know, right. I, you know what I do whenever I have someone cool on my show. I I break down their name for them. Do you know what your name means? Um, Do I know I, what I, it like, means? Like I, know, a, I know I know Michael is uh, like uh, like a godlike or god. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, I don't know what Cudlitz is. Cudlitz is Polish, so I don't I don't know what it means. Oh okay, yeah man, I that is interesting because I had a hard time finding out what Cudlitz means, and. Um, Okay, so as far as I know, <laughs> what I love it. As far as I know, I'm, I'm going to roll with whatever you say for the rest of my yes. life. So this better be good. Well, you know, <laughs> it's fine. It's I, it's good. It's good because I find that people's names, the kind of people, it's like a self fulfilling prophecy, you know. Okay, so you. Sure. So what I found out was that your first name is actually a question, and that it's, ah. and I've never had that. I've never had that before. Um, so Michael, I mean, I guess it can be interpreted two ways. It can be Michael, like you're saying, who is like God, this is a person who is like God, or, uh, it could be a question who is like God. And the, and the answer is, you know, 
no one, man. It's like everybody's yeah. like, it's, I, it's like everybody relax, all right? Nobody here is God. <laughs> exactly. You know? I everybody right. relax. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, and I feel like man. that's kind of perfect. This, that kind of is perfect for you. And then I was looking up uh, cudlets, and I could, I mean, I was fucking having so much trouble finding it. And, and, I would go to, I would find out, you know, etymologies or whatever, but I would never get the meaning. So I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to go to like, I put it, I typed in, what is a cudlet? Because I thought maybe it was something like an actual thing <laughs> in like a language. You know what I mean? Sure. And I got, I got the urban, I got the urban dictionary meaning. Okay. And this is great. You're going to fucking love it. <laughs> what is a cudlet? What, what is it to a be cudlet? A cudlets. Okay, it's a noun. A cudlets. I get, or maybe it's an adjective. A cudlets is a really fun person who can make anything fun. A cudlets <laughs> is one of the nicest, one of the nicest people you will ever meet, and you and and you will always have a good time in their presence. How about that, man? Why do I feel like you wrote what is a cudlets? I did it. Fucking while you up. were high Dude, okay. and when you were working me, on the show. <laughs> wrong. Let me tell you, because I was like, ooh, that's awesome. Because I was like, ooh, that's a great last name. What's mine in the Urban Dictionary? Guess what folklore is? I wish I fucking wrote it. <laughs> it says, I don't know. It says the top definition for folklore is a freeloader. Someone who lives in a person. You're someone a Fogler. You, yeah, you damn Fogler, you. <laughs> it's someone who lives in a person's house without contributing to bills or helping maintain the house. And then there's a, there's a sentence. It's, it's just, all oh, that guy, Ben, is such a Fogler. Can you believe that? Oh, my God. Fogler, Fogler is up there with Bogart. <laughs> I mean, I guess I should be proud of it. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, here's the thing. Awesome. We'll talk about. Let's talk about the Walking Dead directors for a second. My top three Walking Dead directors, and I've only been on the show for two seasons. Okay, so. Mm-hmm. But Greg Nicotero, uh, you, you're second, man. And Michael Michael uh, Satchezemis. Is that Satchezemis. Satchezemis. Yeah. Satchezemis. I really yeah. enjoy, like Greg. Greg, you know that if you're he's directing, whatever happens, you're going to be part of something. You know, television iconic television scene. You know, um, yep. why do I love why do I love working with you so much? Okay, I'm going to tell a little story. First of all, you're you're one of us. You know, so we feel very comfortable. You know what we're going through, so we feel you know comfortable in your hands, basically. And that's something I'm speaking for myself, but I, I think a lot of people would agree. So the first time I'm working with you, I believe it's the Stradivarius episode. Is that correct? Yep. yep. And um, which is, you know, fucking, you know, that was, that, that, be, that became a, a classic episode for, for me. A lot of people remember that episode for Luke. And, and mm-hmm. so I, uh, I remember rehe- um, in rehearsal for the big uh, battle sequence when we spill out of the, the, the abandoned place and we're surrounded in the junkyard with all the cars by all the zombies, the walkers. And, and we're about to see, um, uh, our, our buddy Bernie. Right. And, mm-hmm. um, that was his name, Bernie, right? Yeah. And, um, yep. 
so during the middle of that, so I was in the middle of hardcore training, okay? I was trying to lose weight, and, and so I was doing a lot of martial arts training. And uh, so I remember there was this one part where we were rehearsing this one combat bit, and I, 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 I was always losing my weapon. So I lost my, my ice pick, and I'm carrying, you know, all these musical instruments. So my hands are full, and they were like, okay, let's go through this. Dan, how would you defend yourself if this zombie was right on top of you? And I, I was like, okay, let's run through it. And he was, he was so scary and so un- – he, he was a big guy, too, and he was right on top of me. And I just fucking reacted. I was just like, yeah, and I fucking kicked him. <laughs> I kicked him square, square in the chest because my hands are full. And the guy slides backwards. He slides across the fucking hood. Everything stops. And I was like, holy fuck. And then you come running out, and you're just like, that was awesome. And I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. And then you go, you go to the guy, you go to the guy, and you're like, are you, are you, like, are you okay? He was like, holy shit, that was great. That was great. Did we catch that? And you're like, yeah, yeah. And then you come to me, and, and you were like, man, uh, that, that was cool for me. And I was just like, wait a minute. Uh, you know, uh, I, are we going to, like, I, I feel like I, I, I can't just be, like, kicking him across the car. And you were like, I don't know, fuck, I feel like we're going to use that. You know, <laughs> I was like, I like this guy. I fucking, I fucking like this guy. And, and you know, we didn't, we, didn't end up, we didn't end up using it. But you made me feel, like, so comfortable. And it was like, that was, like, basically my first battle scene. And I, and I kicked the guy over in a fucking car. And you're just like, that's your energy. You're, you're just like. When you're just, everything is, it's like you're a kid in the candy store, it feels like. You're just like such yeah. good vibes. You go with the That's flow. how I feel it's when I like, do it. It's like, it's so exciting to be there and to be doing it. And it is, man. Like, I, I, I have this conversation with Greg Nicotero all the time. It's like, we, we are doing what we've wanted to do our entire lives and making a living at it. And people are, you know, putting their faith in us. And we get to, we get to do this every day for work. Are you fucking kidding me? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Not only do I get yeah. to dream about this my whole life, you, like, you're saying yes to me? You're saying yes, yes, you can do the thing that you have fun doing for a job? But, like, there's no, there's no downside to that. None. And I think people have, I think people have, I don't know, man, people have fun with you. Because I've never, I've never seen you get angry. I've never seen you get frustrated. I, and that's why they bring you back. You know, that's why they want you back. I think people love working with you. I remember we were doing a most recent night shoot. And um, you just like, it was fucking great, man. It was like, it was um, the, the, the one where you where, did the uh, battle axe tree under the tree. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was yeah, so much tree fun. tree breaks. The tree breaks the wall down, and then the mm-hmm. fucking swarm is coming. The the the, the wave of of walkers coming, and it's just the Magnus team out there. And yep. we had a limited amount of time, which is what's such the case on that show all the time. And it was nighttime, and we had to get a lot done. And and um, you know, Greg is always walking around, and and I, you know, there were so many shots to get through. And I think, like, Greg turned to you and was like, you know, why don't we try this? And you were just like, fuck it, yes, let's do it. And then it became this fucking sweeping, amazing fucking shot um, that got, I think it got used in uh, one of the trailers or Comic-Con or something, man. It was just this beautiful fucking, um, and 
that's the that's what it is. Spielberg, you know, that's where the fucking that's where the Indiana the famous Indiana Jones scene where he's uh, you know Harrison Ford with was the sick. whip and the gun. He, he didn't want to have a whole fucking scene with the guy with the scimitar. He said, "Can't I just fucking shoot him?" And everyone started laughing. And Spielberg said, "Can't do it." That's what that's what this is all about, yep. man. That's how you, yeah. you, well, find, you say saying, yes. yes. No, that was one of yeah. the things we we learned in school, um, in the creative process. Say yes. No, I mean you don't say yes all the time. Some sometimes things just don't work for whatever reason, budget or time or really outside of what you're doing. But if it fits within with what you're doing, why would you not take advantage of the incredibly talented people that are all around you? You know, and I remember I had done I I had this whole thing I was going to be intercutting between that long shot. But, and my, my initial thing was I was going to be cutting between close-up stuff and this long sweeping shot. And Greg was like, you know, this whole shot that you set up is beautiful, but you have one hole. Why, if we just put a walker up in there and have a kill from one of the swing shots, that, that will fill that. And I'm like, holy shit, yeah. So that became the whole, the whole thing, became a one basically. And uh, it's opened up with you splitting the guy's head open and then just going berserk, which was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then moving down and sweeping across and just telling the whole story of this battle, you know, all in one lyrical shot. And it was, you know, that's, that is honestly one of the things that I learned um, while acting on this show and other shows is so many times a director wants to grab on so hard and, and, and do like their vision and the thing that they want to do. And they, they literally, cut off the creative process from everybody else. And it's like, you have so many talented people who are surrounding you. Why would you not take advantage of it and make it even better than you imagined in your room when you were alone, breaking down the script, you know, in your head, you know, that's that to me, that's the creative process as, as an actor too. Like I, I work on something and I always know my fallback. I always know like, no matter what, here's what the scene is. And then I come in with my ideas and then the, the other performers in the scene give me some of what I thought in my head, how they do it, but then they surprise me and give me even like way better shit. And then you match that. And then it's not what you did or what they did. It's the combination of that plus the director. And you come up with this thing at the top of the pyramid. That's better than any of you individually could have thought of. It's, it's just, to me, it's so, you know, you, you know, the, the joke is with everything, it takes a village, you know, what this thing is like it, if you use the village, you will have such better results so much more creativity, so much more into the finished product. I just, uh, I, I, I love, I love working with creative people and I love, you know, uh, what everybody has to put into it. I just I have such a good time when I work on set, such a good time. I miss it so much now. <laughs> I miss it so much. Me too, man. I, um, do you, did you get into directing out of uh, necessity or did you love it always? I, I got into it because I was tired of being directed by shitty directors. And I, I was just sort of going, what, like, how, <laughs> I was like, how hard can this be? Uh, you know, and then I realized how hard it is. And then I, and then I, right. and then I realized, oh, okay, well, some of the things that I was perceiving as shitty directors weren't. They were people who didn't have enough prep. They were people who, like me at times, got the script last minute, um, you know, who, who, who were figuring out on their feet as they went. And then there were some who were just shitty, um, you know, and that's, 
you know, you kind of go, wow, for some, for a job that's so so in demand and so many people want to do it, how did you get to do it when you're not very good at it? And I don't know the answer to that, um, honestly, uh, because it's not uh, it's not just one type of person, and by that I mean it's not just like they're all friends of the producers or they're not all you know people who came from a certain school. Um, or they're not, you know, all, it's not, you know, all men or all women. It's, it's all different kinds of situations. And you just realize that it's like, there's just shitty directors out there. And I don't know, I don't know how they really got there and how they keep making stuff, but it's, uh, it's very frustrating because, uh, the other side of that is I've had some amazing experiences with, with amazing directors, uh, both career directors and first time directors. Um, so, uh, you know, when I first got into it, it was honestly because I was literally like, why, why did so many people suck at this and how hard can it be? And then I was confronted with, it's really fucking hard <laughs> and it's, it's everything you do as an actor when you're, when you're doing your own stuff, except you're doing everybody else's work as well. Meaning I have to prep all of your scenes as well, because you're going to come to me with questions, um, hopefully, um, or maybe not, uh, but I want to be able to give you notes if I if you have a question or if I see something I want to see the you know Luke's never done this before, and I want to see I want to see this side of Luke, so I want to be able to talk to you in an intelligent way, and help you get there quickly and not fuck your work up. So I have to I have to do my work, and I have to know everything that you're going through. And as a performer, I think I have a, a little bit of insight as to. How, how actors work and having worked with different actors as an actor, I know how, how different processes work. So I know sometimes people like to be completely left alone. Sometimes people like to be pushed and, you know, and sometimes it's a combination of both. So you have to be sort of open and aware to the needs uh, and the wants of your other performers. Um, so I just, uh, I, I, I love it, you know, and um I'm very excited to be doing more of it. Uh, I was talking to you earlier. I said, uh, you know, I, I, did, I did one, uh, two Walking Dead last year, the original, and then I went and did two World Beyonds. They have not aired yet. Um, they are wonderful episodes. Had a great time doing that. Whole new crew, whole different style of, of shooting. Uh, whole new cast. Um, but I'm excited to go back to uh, the regular Walking Dead, when you guys pick back up, I think they're picking back up uh, early in the year. So um, I don't know if I would direct a show that I didn't know. I have to really, really know the show, and I have to really be in love with the material. You know, I think that's what's lacking in some of these directors that, that are not doing as well as they should be doing, is that they're not, uh, you know, you're dealing a lot with uh, people who are just going job to job, and they're not, you know, they're like a gun for hire and they don't really know the material, really know the material. And, you know, I feel like because of my history on the show, I have a, a, a sort of a deep connection with the characters and the stories and, and all of the creatives on the show, not only the, the actors and directors, but the writers and, you know, the, the camera department, every, every department, you know. So it, uh, it's a wonderful experience, and it's, uh, you know, it's everything I, I hoped it would be. If you... Um... So, like, what's your favorite genre? Like, if you if you had to direct a film or something, like, what would you choose to direct? I don't know. I mean, I've been, you know, like you, I've been real fortunate. I've, I've done, like, a bunch of different stuff, and 
there's kind of wonderful things in all of it, you know, and I think that sometimes it's, uh, I think you do a lot of action and then, you know, you want to kind of settle back and do something, you know, subtle and calm. And then, you know, you do a lot of serious stuff and then you want to do comedy. And it's like, so I, I think it feeds off of what you've done in the past and what kind of mood you're in. Um, but it always comes to me, it always comes down to if there, if it's a great story with great characters and great character development, it almost doesn't matter what it is. Um, but I love capturing those performances, you know, um, it's, it, it, there's nothing, there's nothing like it. I mean, you've, everybody, and you know this, when you're on set and somebody's fucking nailing it, there's nothing like it. It doesn't matter what it is. If it's action or drama or comedy or musical, like if, if, if the performances are on point, it's just, you're in a magical place, you know? And, uh, so I, the genre is not as important as, the fact that the characters have to be fully developed and interesting. So um, you mentioned Harrison Ford earlier, and you and in my mind, I, you have a connection to Harrison Ford. You know, I want to know what what it, what it is. The construction. The carpenter thing. Yeah, the construction stuff. Yeah. Okay, so you know the story about Harrison Ford getting the the hand solo role, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> working on that. a lot at Universal, and he well, he went to school with 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 Spielberg. Oh, okay, is what is the way I heard it. They went to school and they knew, and he uh, he you know he was doing uh, set work to pay the bills in between, and then Spielberg reached out to him, and you know was like, hey, we're doing that doing that movie. You know, well, this so is how I heard this is this is this is how I heard the story, and it may be total bullshit, but this is the legend. So the, the way it goes is that he did uh, Harrison Ford did American Graffiti, right? Which was Lucas, and um, he's obviously you know basically plays the same kind of hothead, you know, the best driver in the whole place. And, you know, it's basically a very similar character. His shirt's open, you know. It's like it's like it's a very similar vibe. So he does that American Graffiti, and then I think. Um, Either, I think that uh, then Harrison Ford got, kind of got fed up with the whole fucking thing. He was like, you know, fuck Hollywood. And it was just like, I'm just going to be a carpenter, um, you know, in between. And, you know, if whatever, if something falls in my lap, great, but I'm not going to fucking chase anything anymore. And then, so he's working on, he's, he's, he's working on, I think, I thought he was working on uh, either Spielberg's studio or Lucas's studio. He's like working on their place. And he's uh, working on the door frame, and, and Lucas is doing auditions for <laughs> for uh, Solo, and he's got Hamill, uh, Mark Hamill there, and he's reading his Luke, and he's they're bringing all these solos in, you know, they got fucking Richard Dreyfuss, they got all these, so Richard Dreyfuss supposedly is like walking in the hallway and like steps over uh, Harrison Ford as he's like working on a doorway. And it's just all, oh, hey, Harrison, I didn't, I didn't see you there, you know. And they had worked together on fucking American Graffiti, and they to- supposedly had issues with each other. So Harrison was like, motherfucker. Oh, God, and he's, he's fucking building shit. And he's, yeah, yep. <laughs> yeah. So then Dreyfus, that was his audition, and, you know, everyone's like, oh, it's good, it's good. And Dreyfus was up for the part. Dreyfus is leaving, and then Harrison Ford walks in. And it was like, I'd like to read. And everyone's just like, what? 
And uh, and Dreyfus is leaving. He's like, wait, wait hold on here. <laughs> like, look, Harrison closes the door on him, and there's Harrison looking all fucking, you know, a day's work. You know, he's looking like a fucking scoundrel with the shirt open, and he's got the work belt, okay, which looks like Han Solo's belt. And they're, and mm-hmm. Lucas is just looking at him in the doorway there, and it's just like, holy fuck, he's Han Solo already. And that's that's how we got the part I heard. So, um, I like that better uh, than I mean, my be, version. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like that's it better. That's the Hollywood. It's better. It's a better Hollywood version of the version. Hollywood story. <laughs> yeah, uh, and so I just love that man. It's always when you're just like, you always get your best role or the role that really you know, I don't know, solidifies you. Um, when you just don't give a shit anymore, you're just like so yeah. humble, and you're just like fuck it. Fuck it. I'm just, I don't care if I get it or not. I just want to see what happens here. Um, and, and um, yeah, so I love that you were a carpenter, man. Um, and I, it also makes me think of a whole uh, – so so, is, so did you do that out of necessity or you did that out of love or, like, well, how did you get into Oh, that? no. No, I, I, I did that. That's how I paid my way through school. I learned construction and furniture building from my dad. And – uh, when I was going to school, I was working summers uh, in film and television to pay my way through school, through acting school, theater school. Um, and I was, everything was theater. You know, I had no, you know, I, film. I was like, what do you, you know, that didn't even, that wasn't even a spectrum on the radar at all. It was all about theater. I thought I was going to wind up in New York. You know, I met my wife at school and she's an actress and I figured we both wind up in New York, uh, you know, just trying to make ends meet, being a bartender, a waiter somewhere, doing plays. That was it. That was as far as I thought that. That was, a, you know, half a plan, huh. you know. <laughs> so, but um, when I got out of school, I started doing, continued doing construction for film and television, but in, uh, in, you know, bigger stuff and making more money and, you know, being able to live out here. And, you know, because it paid so well, I was able to work only, if, if I had to, only a few days a month. And I could pay my, my rent and everything. So I had roommates and, you know, I, didn't, I just started working what I used to call haircut parts, which were just roles that I got just because I, I was, uh, you know, could fairly speak fairly well and I had a really great flat top. So everybody brought me in for, you know, right, Biff, right, right, right. Dirk and, you know, all these guys who would not talk but looked looked like a jock, you know. So that's where it started. You know, it's just a uh, classically trained theater actor walking in, punching people in the face because they look like a bully. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good start. And, that's a fun start, man. Oh yeah, thirty years later, you know, I'm I'm very proud of my career. I'm very proud of not only the acting stuff, but the, um, you know, the directing and all the different sort of twists and turns my career has taken. And um, I feel very blessed, you know. And I also know that I've worked really hard for it. Um, it's but it's been a fun journey, you know. And and my family has been there the whole way, and it's uh. It's it's great, you know. Again, I I do what I you know after Band of Brothers, I didn't have to do construction anymore. I was able to keep continuous, you know, to work continuously um, in film and television, making money, so I didn't have to uh, do construction. 
So I was able to support my family doing that. So, and it was, uh, you know, uh, since then I have not worked a day in my life. It's just fun, cool shit. Okay, doing so, what I love to do. It's it's been fantastic. I mean, okay, so that was right out of college, Band of Band of Brothers, right? Um, no, it was uh, 2000, and I graduated uh, college in 87. So, okay. you know, 12 years. 12 years, okay. I thought you know, that was right out of the got, gate. In, in 1999, got cast and did it in 2000. Right. So, yeah. Okay, so, yeah. interesting. Was that, that was the first big one, right? Yeah. Okay, so that was... That was wild because that was off of the Saving Private Ryan craze, and you have the same. Yeah. You have Hanks, and and you have Spielberg involved. And yep. were, were you like shitting bricks, or were you just like fucking? Oh yeah. Go or oh yeah, yeah. No, no. They were. Um, they were. Uh, Spielberg was taping my audition, you know, and he's going through like doing wow. handheld with a with a big VCR and. Or a you know mini camcorder at the time, which was the size of a football, you know, and he's walking around doing all this handheld stuff and tripping over equipment and oh guys, go can we go again? I I, I, I fuck that up, you know. <laughs> it's like, uh, yes, Mister Spielberg, I think you can go again. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! Yeah, and they were going at the time. They were like a bunch of uh, sort of A-list young actors. And I think they were deciding whether they were going to go with full A-list guys um, or a bunch of guys who had done a bunch of work but were kind of unknown. And, they, you know, that way the, the America would fall in love with them as those characters as opposed to, you know, Ricky Schroeder playing that character or, you know, right. uh, whoever. I won't go through all the names because the guy – I mean, they're all terrific actors, but – you know, I walk, you know, walking through the halls, you're like, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit. <laughs> you're seeing all these dudes and you're thinking, oh, no way am I going to get this fucking thing. And uh, in the end, it was, it was obvious that what they, cho- they chose to do was, was cast unknowns. You know, it was a huge cast and, uh, real, you know, a lot of people came out of it. You know, you got some some guys who work all the time and you know their names and you and we've done a bunch of tremendous work and then you got your stars that came out of it you know Michael Fassbender Tom Hardy uh Stephen Graham um you know I mean like a lot of fucking people it was like their first thing ever and uh we spent a year in England and made a lot of great friends and made some some what I think is some terrific television and, you know, stuff that transcends art. It's, it's so important for those families that these stories be told correctly and with love. And, you know, we, we got a chance to do something, like a, literally a once-in-a-lifetime type of thing. You know, it's, it's very rare that what we do transcends into something that is more than entertainment. And this was definitely one of those situations. Yes, it was entertaining. Yes, it was creatively filling. But it also... Uh, sort of immortalized uh, forever a story that could go, people can go back and look on uh, before these men passed away, they were able to talk about it. And this is something that the families, you know, will have forever uh, about their family members. Um, so it was, it was pretty, pretty, uh, 
pretty humbling experience, actually, when you really get down to it, because the whole project was about the men and their families, as it should be. It was not about a bunch of actors, you know, and you're, you're talking about a bunch of, a bunch of male actors, a bunch of alpha males, you know, all fucking taking a knee in regard to like, nope, the family and the men come first. Um, which is that in itself is pretty, uh, you, I mean, you know, actors, <laughs> it's not, we're not always the most giving in regards to, uh, you know, uh, giving other people, um, something that we feel is ours, you know, and these are characters that we've created, but they weren't ours. They belong to the family. And, uh, we were more than happy to, to let that live with the family. So it's a really wonderful experience. Makes me shit. I want to go back and watch it now, man. Fuck. God damn. Yeah, it's, it's really fucking terrific. <laughs> um, I, uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff I want to go back. So you, you, okay. One of my, you were, uh, you, you, man, you did, you did a lot of stuff, man. A lot of, you were on like 21 Jump Street. You were on my favorite yeah. fucking show, okay? You were on my favorite show, Lost. It's one of my favorite shows. Oh, I'm constantly referencing yeah. Lost. I did a couple episodes, yeah. Yeah, and were you, um, were you with the Michael Shannon crew? Like what, that, well, that whole thing? Like, I was, I was, Anna, I was Anna Lucia's partner in Flashbacks. So I was existing, I existed in the present. Um, Crazy. Whatever, whatever that means, you know, in that world. I was (laughs) in the present and, you know, they would flash back, uh, you know, for their world. Uh, And then when they moved forward in time, I had moved forward and become a detective. So when they came home, I was the one who put Hurley in the mental institute. Which is where he wanted Whoa. to go. He wanted to be protected. Right, 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 right. <laughs> Did you like he was that like, show? Send me away. <laughs> He's like, please, fucking lock me up. <laughs> I love that show. Were you a fan of yeah. the show? I was. Uh, I was actually. I was a fan of the show early on, and then it got in the middle. I feel like it, it got it lost its way a little bit. And then, you know, I, somebody sure. told me, no, no, please, go back, go back and look. And I went back and looked, and I feel like, oh, you know what? I feel like, I feel like they found their way again. Um, and then in the end, and it, it, it sort of completely fell apart. Yeah. It was just like, <laughs> it's like the first episode, everyone was like, oh, they're in limbo. And then everyone was just like, how do we go nine seasons by making them think they're not in limbo and then at the very last finale just do a whole limbo thing? Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's and it's like, sort of like Sco- they Scooby-Doo ended themselves like into a bad thing. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. oh, let's do a shitty ending. No, why? No, you had time. Even if it wasn't like the most satisfying, don't, don't fucking Sopranos me. Don't go, don't go all like, like, don't go, don't go smarter like that or, or pretend to be smarter than your audience. That's not fair. Cause you're not, it's like, no, we like you made the whole show for your audience. Your audience was with you the whole time. Now you're going to be smarter than them. You know, we'll yeah, we'll show them. We'll make it. We'll make it so they feel fucking dumb, like they don't get it. Like, no, they got it. That's why they fucking were getting it the whole time. That's why they watched the show. Now they're just pissed. 
You know what I think would be a, you know what I think would be an amazing ending now that I'm thinking about it. Like, what if you know that like golden energy light in the in the heart of the island? Like, what if that energy mm-hmm. just started consuming the island? You know, and like, and then it, it just like the whole island implodes. You know, into this golden light, and there's this like now this giant energy node where the island used to be. And all these people are trying to contain it. You know, it's all about containing it. Um, mm. And that could be a spin, spin off into another thing. The whole world is at jeopardy. But that would have been a great finale, right? Every, everyone just fucking gets sucked into the lost hell hole. Anyway. Um, it would have been a better ending if Matthew, if Matthew Fox, like, woke up <laughs> while the plane was crashing. Right. And he just died. Whoa. That would have been a better ending. <laughs> Holy shit! That would have been a good ending. He like woke up. He wakes up in the plane. Like it was. Tr- it, was like, oh. yeah, it was turbulence. Yeah, it was turbulence. And he freaked dream. out. Like he was. It was a dream. But then the fucking plane crashes. <laughs> no, no, the plane doesn't crash. It just explodes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's, it's a it's air missile. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. Uh, are you a fan of George C. Scott? I feel like you and George C. Scott are like kindred spirits or something. I I used to I love George C. Scott's work, um, but not, not not to the point where I was really following. I don't really follow anyone. I don't follow I don't I don't follow bands. I don't follow sports. I don't you know like so far as actively I enjoy watching them. I enjoy going to concerts where bands that I love play, but I don't like have every album. I enjoy watching, you know, athletes do their thing, but I don't follow a team. Uh, I enjoy actors, but I don't necessarily, like, revere <laughs> anyone's career. I think the last person whose career I really sort of was, like, uh, like really, not in awe, but really, res- really, really respected is, uh, um, oh, now I'm blanking. Um, say anything. Um, <laughs> Uh, John Cusack. Oh, John Cusack. All right. Yeah. I mean, I, I always yeah. felt like that was, when, when I was young, I was like, that's the kind of actor I want to be. Because he was a little older than me, but he was working. And it was the kind of cool, funky roles that, like, were very, very character-driven and and fun. Um, yeah. You know, I just, uh, yeah, I just. Uh, and Gross Point Blank. Were you yeah, Gross Point Blank with, yeah. With him. Yeah. Yeah, with him, and when we got to improvise that whole scene, there was a scene written. He, he just we showed up on set. Yeah, we was on set, and he was like, "I don't really like this scene, so let's. I think we can come up with something better." And I was like, "All right." So Dude. we fucked around for like an hour, uh, just improv and different stuff, and you know. And then when we got on set, we we kind of agreed on this thing. We we're gonna do this poem, and he's like, "Do you write poetry?" I go, "No." He goes, "Well, I'll, I'll write a poem for you. Just put it in your pocket, like you can." Like, you can discover it for the first time when you read it. Just don't read it. Yeah. So he gave it to me right before the take. And then we, you know, we did the thing. And then he realized, Whoa. like, he wrote, like, a really long poem. So he tried to cut me off. And I stopped him. Like, no, no, no. And it was, like, for a while. And then he was like, okay, okay. No, no, no. For a while. <laughs> like, so I improvised on the improv. improv and we, we, just, we just had a great fucking time. You know, it was just really, uh, really creative and really fun. And... Um, you know, you, you get into those situations, and they're rare, strangely enough, and you know this. They're rare where everybody's sort of on the same page, uh, you know, having a blast, 
creating something. And, you know, it was, it was something I'll remember forever, you know. And, and it, again, it was one of those things that he was, I want to say idol, because it wasn't, it wasn't an idol. I don't, I don't operate that way. But he was definitely someone who I, who I had massive respect for um, and still do. And I, I think he's an incredible performer, you know. Oh, God. I mean, his his early work, Say Anything. I mean, I must have seen that fucking movie a million times. Oh, yeah. I, I must oh, yeah. Have, yeah, that, yeah. My, my, Kickboxing, my, Sport of the Future. Kickboxing, Sport of the Future, fucking, uh, <laughs> I don't want to process it. I don't want to buy anything, sold, yeah, process. Buy anything, process sell anything, anything, process anything, buy anything that's sold, processed, or, yeah. Lloyd Dobler. I, Lloyd, yeah. I and then in the that. end, he's like, sir, do you, do you need to know, you want to know that, you know, the answer right now? Like, he gives him an answer. Like a nine-page answer, and he's like, "You don't, well, you don't need the answer right now, do you?" <laughs> you know, yeah. it's great. Better off great. That's a good one. He, man, he yep. did a lot of tape great heads. Fucking... Tape heads. Tape heads. Have you watched tape heads? No. Oh no. my god, you got to watch tape heads. It's like an early indie. He's wow. he's, he's making. Uh, they're making independent movies. They're making like videos. You know, and this, yeah. this amazing scene with his rock band is, uh, wow. I forget the name of the rock band, but they're doing this thing and they're shooting a video and all the groupies come in and there's this classic line where one of the groupies, they're like, oh my God, I love you. Take me to, take me to Hawaii. And one's like, teach me to read. It's <laughs> 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 so stupid. It's the best. <laughs> um, fuck, man. I loved all those movies. I loved the, uh, I mean, listen, Gross Point Blank was probably my favorite one of his, and you were in it. That's so cool, man. So fucking Yeah, cool. great soundtrack, too. Phenomenal soundtrack in the movie. You know why? That movie, that that, that had everything. It had, com- had fucking comedy. Fucking Aykroyd, man. And yeah, Aykroyd, Benny the Jet. Good. You know, with, with the good great content. fight. Good, good fighting. Really yep. good. I want to watch that again. Got Piven in it, being a maniac. Yep. Um, okay, so we got to talk about we got to talk about you on The Walking Dead for all the fans. Okay, so Abraham, my favorite character, probably one of my favorite characters in the comic book, um, and on the show. Obviously, both times the character was killed off, I was very upset. I had to take a step back. <laughs> I was like, okay, I don't know how if you know how he died in the comic book, but it's around the whole Negan War. But um, you probably read it. Or I don't know if you did, brother, but he's like in the middle of a conversation and suddenly he takes a fucking arrow to the back of the head and you're just like, wait, 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 no! I was like, he's about to kick ass! Um, you know what I'm talking about in the comic? No, say it again. Did, did, did I lose you? Okay, so yeah, you did. in the comic book, in the comic book, in the comic book, who Abraham, he's probably my favorite character in the comic book. Um, Michonne is also good. I mean, I, I got a lot of favorite characters, but um, he was such a badass and uh, love him on the show. And in the comic book, when he when he dies, I don't know if you know this, his death in the comic books. I was just like, oh, fuck. I was just like, he, it's in the middle of the Negan, you know, war. He's in well, the, it was a bullshit. Setting for, his, death, his death was a bullshit death in the comic. 
He gets an like arrow he just through his fucking eyes. He gets an arrow. Yeah, he's while, he's, while they're yeah. right while they're headed out, he and Eugene are headed out to uh, to right. go to the the what he what Eugene thinks they can turn into the ammunition into the munitions factory. And he's just right. talking to him, and then all of a sudden you shunk. And it's like to me, the it's fucking just an arrow. arrow. It's, it's, yeah, it's just sort of like fuck you, you know. And Kirkman yeah. was never happy with that death either. You know, I had okay, made the suggestion so, early on. I wanted them to actually, um, I wanted them to do a thing where me and Eugene and I were talking, you know, maybe, you know, walking around outside or something. And I'm, you know, we yeah. get into an argument and then all of a sudden like, whoomk, like an arrow goes right in front of me and hits a tree and go, wow, that was close. You know, <laughs> and pay <laughs> yeah, yeah, homage yeah. to it, but sort of like, you know, the comic book fans would have went, oh, that's fucking great. Yeah. But you, they would have known, doors. you know, he used yeah, and he would have known he was going just a little bit further, um, you know, than than he did in the comics, um, which he still did, but, you know, because okay. Denise Denise took the death, she took the arrow to the eye, and he did go a little bit past, the, you know, them finding the munitions place. But I still wish he would have gone just a little further, so we would have seen him, because we never, be, you know, going off of what you were saying, be, you know, the the job of, you know, in Kirkman's graphic novels, the the job of the, the Tyrese's and the Abrahams, you know, and all these people who came in as, you know, support for Rick, they became his confidants and then they got killed off and then he found a new confidant. So what we have with, with the Daryl character, you kind of eliminate the need for all those other characters to take up that position. So in a way you kind of, you cut the legs out a little bit from some of the other characters and what they can become because the Daryl character is truly the confidant of Rick and the mechanism in the graphic novels was that they would use that closeness to learn more about those characters. And then because they were close to the top of the, the totem pole with Rick, you would see those characters in battle a lot. And yeah. with the new, with the structure, the way the show does it, you didn't. So you didn't really get to see Abraham too much in battle. So I would have loved to have seen him actually in battle with Sasha you know, the, yep. Sasha, the ex-cop, Abraham, the soldier, just watch them being fucking soldiers. I just think that would have yep. been so exciting. And then still kill them off, you know, early, but, but have that moment where they did something selfless and like completely, you know, military and, you know, just badass. And it would have, and it would have, you know, made sense. I, um, so in the show, obviously in the comic book, um, the uh, uh, Steve Ewan's character, right? So he he is the only one that gets it in that fucking scene with Negan. I and 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 this was another thing in the show where I had to take a step back. Um, you know, there's certain things because if you're a comic book fan, there's certain things that are jarring. You know, um, and I and I. What I imagine in my head, you know, when it got to, when it got to you, um, this is what I saw. This is this is that military scene that I saw, where it's like you you, you go out like Sonny from the fucking from Godfather, like you know you're gonna get killed, okay? But but <laughs> so he comes out with the fucking the bat, and you stop it. Okay? <laughs> you take the first bullet. Boo! You fucking fuck it. You stand up. You start beating 
Negan back with the bat. Negan's like, fucking kill him, okay? And you just get riddled with, riddled with bullets. And Negan stands up with the fucking bat and is like, I like this guy. You know, that kind of <laughs> Yeah. And you're sitting there, your fucking holes bloody, fucking spurting all over the place. You're trying to say, fuck you, you know, you're fucking, and you're still mm-hmm. fighting back like fucking cool hand Luke, no matter what. That's what I, I love it. Yeah, I love it. That's fantastic. That would have been a, that would have been a death for you. That would have been a great death. Yeah, um, agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Maybe I'll get to. Maybe I'll get to. You should direct one of these. I don't know. I get. I get yeah, big, big, big visions, man. I get big visions, but you know what? I, I um. The 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 execution of it. It takes a certain temperament, you know. I don't know if I can have the happy, good vibes the whole time. You know, I get frustrated with myself, you know, with myself mostly. Yeah, but I, I think he, I think you, because the acting, you, you, we get frustrated, I think, sometimes because, because things don't go the way we want. And maybe we're trying to do something that wasn't necessarily on the nose, and then we're trying to adjust it and here and there. When you're, when you're directing, I think you actually get to set that whole mode and mood and then you're reacting because you're, you're, you're going through everything in your mind and every, everyone else's mind. You're trying to fix everything that could possibly go wrong and fix all the problems you know you have so that when the problems you don't know you have show up, it's not as you know, jarring because it's going to happen. I mean, you're going to get fucking, you're going to get this shit where you're sort of like, oh, I didn't, didn't see that coming um, like every day. But I think as uh, I mean, I think it, as a director, you get to set that vision and sort of stick to that vision, even though it adjusts. I think you get to even stick to it a little more than you do as an actor, uh, because as an actor, you're dealing with other, you know, you're coming in with a singular vision, and you're dealing with other people. Um, what's up? Oh shit! Are you surrounded? Oh, okay. Sorry. You get in trouble? Uh, no. No, my kids. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. So listen, I want to let's let's wrap it up. I have I have one more thing that I usually do at the end of these. You, you got like another like five ten minutes? Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Okay. So I got this part of the show that I call Tales from Beyond the Veil, and okay. um, I always find that whenever I talk to my artistic actor, director, friends, they, everyone's got some kind of sensitivity to the, you know, the other side, you know, whether it's a ghost story, a UFO, whatever. I saw plenty of crazy shit while I was out in Atlanta, you know, mm-hmm. um, there's certain places. Uh, I mean, I've seen, I've seen crazy shit between ghosts and UFOs, whatever, but I always ask if anybody's got like a, a supernatural story. Oh, cool. Yeah. I actually, I got, I have two. I, I mean, I, when I was younger uh, in New Jersey, I saw uh, uh, UFOs in New Jersey. Um, but that's not, you know, it's really? like we just saw them. Yeah, we we saw this thing that was just moving in the sky like it, like it should not, like things don't move. Like zipping, you know, vertically and horizontally and, you know, diagonally very quickly, um, very far off in the distance, you know, a shiny saucer-shaped object. Um, I totally believe. I think. I think you are completely uh, self-absorbed and ignorant 
uh, if you think that there's, there's not something else out there. I mean, what a fucking, like, how self-centered can you be to think that this is it? Like, I just don't, like, I don't, it's like, have you fucking looked out at the sky at night and you think we're it? Come on. <laughs> like, <laughs> no fucking way. Like, I have no proof, <laughs> but 100% no way. Um, but so far as ghost story or, or you know, that kind of thing, I, we live in a house, actually, where a woman, um, I'm not sure if she passed here or if she collapsed here and was taken to the hospital and passed, but she lived here a very long time. She's kind of a hoarder, and she was, you know, would scurry around the house, and she had these little paths and stuff, and, you know, between all the, the stuff she collected – and uh, we, we've been in the house now for, for 27 years or so, almost 30 years. And, uh, you know, we, we feel her. And I see things out of the corner of my eye all the time in this house. But it's always, it's like a, there's a great feeling in the house. Like she's happy we're here. And you can tell. And it's always been a really positive energy. So it's, um, again, you know, science confirms that ghosts exist. You know, if you want to really look at it, it's like, you know, because energy cannot be destroyed. It can only change form. Um, so when you die, there is, there is your life force. There is your energy that comes out of your, your body and whatever you believe, whether you believe somebody's in, you know, going to heaven or hell or purgatory or whatever, this and that, it's all, I think it's all here. I think it's all within, you know, this, this, you know, world and we're all in the world. And I, I just, you know, again, the same thing. I just to to ignore it or pretend that there is nothing there or that, that the remnants of someone's energy wouldn't stay intact in some form and have some effect, whatever that effect is, I, I think is very uh, a very pompous attitude to take. Um, I think it, I think it, it all exists, and we've all experienced negative energy and positive energy just in people. Uh, so why would that energy not transfer outside and, you know, possibly some of it, some of the negative energy clumped together in one place or some of the positive energy clumped together. And you, you can, you know, feel that when you walk into a place. So, um, I don't know. I, I, I totally believe it. Uh, there's, there's nothing I don't believe, but I also believe that we're in control of, of our, of our own destiny you know, in a lot of ways. I don't, I don't think that this stuff, um, can take hold of you and, and, uh, rule or control you in, unless you let it. So that's my thoughts on it. You moved into this woman's house. She was a hoarder, and and did you have to like yeah like excavate a lot of stuff, like get a lot of stuff out of her? No, they they had pictures. The kids had pictures um, that they showed us afterwards. What they found after she passed, but we it was all emptied out by the time we got here. Um, but it was there was a lot of stuff in the house, a lot of stuff. Gotcha, gotcha. Wow, man. Um, yeah. Freaky. Yeah. That reminds me of a this crazy time about this 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 one. The only hoarder situation I ever been in was so extreme, where there was this guy who had this really amazing pot. And this was this was in uh, Manhattan. And I would go to this guy's place, and he lived in an apartment in, like, Alphabet City, and I would go to his place, and it's, it was crazy. As soon as you opened his front door, it was like the walls were closing in, and it was just stacks of his 
tchotchkes and stuff. And you can see there were, you know, like uh, like watermarks where it was just like, whoa, that was 1970s and this was the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> right? And, and, mm-hmm. and, and every time I went, and he had the best, fuck, he had these giant garbage bags of the best fucking ganja I've ever smoked in my life. So I would brave <laughs> like Indiana Jones, this guy's apartment. And every time I came back, the walls were closing even more and more. I was like, fuck, I can't. I don't know how many times I can come back. The next time I come back, it's going to be fully closed up. So I fucking, <laughs> and you have to go sideways. I'm walking, like, literally, the walls are closing. And I would, I would find the guy in the middle of his quote-unquote living room, which was just more piles of stuff. It was crazy. And he would be sitting there with his, and I wouldn't be able to, like, hold a, like, a normal conversation because I was just constantly distracted by all the shit that was around. I was just like, what the fuck? I was just constantly <laughs> looking at stuff. And, I turned to him, and he's a genius. The guy is a fucking – he's a genius. Like, he's one of the smartest guys I ever talked with. And he's giving me the ganja. He's explaining all the ganja. And I was like, oh, this, 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 this is amazing. And I said, hey, I'm directing a movie called Don Peyote. Do you want to – I would love to interview you for it. And he's kind of handing and hawing, and he's like, I don't know. It's not really my thing. And, and then from out of somewhere in the, the piles, I hear – do it. And I'm just, I'm just like, what the fuck was that? And he's like, oh, oh, that's my wife. And I was like, oh. And like, it was like, I didn't even know he lived with anybody. And I just imagined this woman that was just buried inside, you know, all of the walls. And she, she was just like, do it, do it, do the interview. And I'm like trying to find her. I'm like, where is she? Like trying to make eye contact and all the piles. It was crazy. Um, yeah, I miss that guy. But, um, he created he was a genius he created a, a dodecahedron rubik's cube that's how he got his money if you if you ever go to like the, the store and you find the next level up of the rubik's cube he made it um anyway dude you're uh dude you're you're fucking so cool i hope i get to work with you again on the show i i I, I have so much fun with you. It's like some of my favorite episodes and some of my like okay. some of my best work, I think. Awesome. We, well, we'll definitely yeah. get to do it again. I'm sure. I mean, I ain't going anywhere, whether it's on Walking Dead yeah. or something else. I mean, like we're, we're comparatively speaking, we're young, so we're, gonna, we're not going um, nowhere. I mean, I got a bunch of projects that are percolating. I may call on you to direct some stuff. I may call on you to help, you know, into to be and stuff, you know. Um, I love it. I'm always... Yeah. Um, uh, cool. Did you have Did you have fun on the Dan Fogler Forty Experience podcast? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I okay. I love you. I mean, I I love chatting with you on set. I love our interactions that we've had. We haven't had a lot, but I've just always, you know, I've always been very impressed with you. And you you do have a lot of fun, uh, even though you you don't like to admit it. Um, <laughs> You're a big old, you, you're you, a big old teddy bear, man. I fucking it's it's such, yeah. it's, it's you just let off good vibes, <laughs> and that just it that just radiates out, and it, it it makes it you know it's it's huge. I learned that too late. Like I learned that like in my thirties that my mood radiates out, and you know I affect the people around me. And and if, if yeah, it's you never gotta, too late, gotta, it's not too late. You, you absolutely you incorporate it. You know what I mean? Yeah. You incorporate it all. You change. No. We're not. We're not. Gosh, if we never changed, holy shit! Well, how sad would that be? Yep. Exactly. Constantly mm-hmm. evolving. Hopefully. Yeah. Oh. Cuddly. 
Brother. Cudlet. All right, man. So I'm gonna say, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to, say you're seeing you. So your 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 full uh poetic name is everybody relax, all right? Nobody here is God. Um slash the funnest guy in the room at the party. That's your full name. <laughs> I love it. I'll have it changed some I'll have it changed to my passport next week. <laughs> uh, all right, pal. Be safe. Thanks. I appreciate it. Had a had a great time. Talk to you. Bye bye. Okay. Bye.